Hello everyone, welcome to the first ever Stay in Lee's Prodigies podcast, presenting Relatable, Lovable Spidey. It is a pleasure to have you all here listening, and we hope to entertain and educate you, but of course more so entertain. I have a panel of four of us here today to talk about Spider-Man and its role in influencing public opinion on how teenagers are viewed in positions of power. The two films we looked at are Spider-Man Homecoming, watched by myself, Sam, and Stephanie. Hey everyone. And Spider-Man No Way Home, watched by Ethan and Jacob. Hello, I'm Jacob. Hi, Misa. So, Stephanie, if you could give us a quick summary of Spider-Man Homecoming, that'd be great. Hi, everyone. Well, I decided to watch Spider-Man Homecoming. I saw the trailer of the movie and instantly thought, this guy Peter is clearly going through some personal issues. He's definitely battling self-identity. And what is up with the costume change? I have to see what's going on. Homecoming is the introduction of Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And in this movie, Peter Parker is conflicted with the decision of continuing his normal daily activities as Peter or dropping everything he should be doing and be the hero that he thinks he needs to be at that moment. He finds himself in many situations where he needs to pause and think of his next step, given that he's not necessarily being guided by anyone besides the little brief interventions that Tony Stark gives him. That's a great summary. So what made you connect with Peter Parker, Spider-Man, while watching the film? I think that the many personality doubts that Spider-Man has throughout the film, I'd say reflect similar doubts some people and myself have. Um, should I be this proper person everyone expects me to be, or should I just be a bit more reckless and figure things out as I go? Just as Peter did when he tells his best friend Ned, I am so far beyond high school right now. And the realness of this film and other superhero films sometimes feel on a personal level because they're beyond just statements like these. You begin to feel a connection with their acting, and as Robert Hanks said in the article Iron Man, most of the time, the film's shortcomings as dialect are camouflaged by the acting. So this is where I felt my connection. This film goes beyond just statements that Spider-Man says. Tom Holland's expressions and energy makes you feel like you're a high school teenager. He reminds you of those little bitty problems that you could have had, like whether or not to talk to your crush or take that Spanish test. And I feel that as time goes by, the superheroes are just becoming one of us. Or at least they're just more transparent about having issues. I want to pass this to Ethan now. Can you give us a brief summary of No Way Home? Uh, in No Way Home, Spider-Man's real identity as Peter Parker got revealed. And uh, his personal life faced so much difficulty after that uh, situation. So he asked Doctor Strange for help him to change the world memory to forget his real identity. However, the spell had some problem. Not only didn't work, but it bring everyone who, for, who know Peter Parker from other universe into this universe. So Peter had to fix the trouble of, uh, that he made. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, have you been able to connect to him on a personal level? Yeah, as Stephanie mentioned, Spider-Man definitely reminded me when I was in high school. And it must be hard to imagine to carry all the responsibility on his shoulder as a high school student. Also, I have been a huge fan of Spider-Man since I was a kid. Just uh, same as the most Spider-Man fans. What makes Spider-Man so attractive is how much he lost pain and the responsibility he endured nearly by himself as a superhero. As the uh, film reviewer Brian mentioned, for a generation, the lie about Spidey was with the great power comes great responsibility. I think for the most Spider-Man fans, it's the 
brilliant line for everyone. Um, just imagine who would not love him after watching how much he lost and still carry the responsibility. For example, in the film No Way Home, Spider-Man's real identity exposed to the world and uh, as I mentioned how much he's facing his difficulties, uh, his college and his friend's college application got it rejected. Also, he cannot even uh, live in the old place with his Aunt May. So, still after that, he did not give up his responsibility and the duty of saving others. Therefore, as a fan, I just want to by his side and uh, witness the day Spider-Man really receive his own happiness. And just uh, Jacob, you watched No Way Home too, so what is make uh, Spider-Man attractive for you? Well, yeah, as for me, I've always been a huge fan of the Marvel series, especially the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, I actually grew up reading a lot of the Spider-Man comics, so uh, per Spider-Man personally was pretty attached to my life when I was young. I think the first thing that really brought me into the Spider-Man mythos was how the grand scale of it is, how large it is. There's so many alternate dimensions. Spider-Man, for instance, like Miles Morales, which we don't cover here, but obviously Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, the, all the different actors from way back in the 2000s, and now obviously Tom Holland from the MCU. This movie, No Way Home, I'm just a huge fan of movies that take this impossibly large concept and shrink it down into something that's not only easy for us to understand, but also easy like to grasp, but because the scale is so large, it just feels larger than one movie itself. And adding those extra memorable characters like Doc Ock and Electro, it just makes the movie feel so much more than just a single movie about just some spider guy, right? So I want to quote, as you had mentioned, uh, Brian Tallarico, he's a good re movie reviewer. He said, The villains that return from the Sam Raimi and Mark Webb films don't overcrowd the narrative. They speak to a theme that ties this entire series back to the other ones. And I agree entirely. It's, they implement these characters such that they don't uh, take up so much space in the plot that they're like almost it, the movie's about them. It's, of course, it's about Spider-Man. That's the title. Their presence in the movie is felt and it, they make a significant impact without, you know, as he says, overcrowding the narrative. One such scene that I that I was really drawn to was where the three Spider-Men fight versus uh, the old rogues gallery. This scene drew me to more than just the CGI flashy colors type of fight scene you'd expect from a Spider-Man movie, but it's not so much that it was a fight between super people, which of course it was, but it was a fight between interesting personalities. It was like how Electro was sarcast sarcastic and joking with Spider-Man, but also, you know, beating the crap out of him, of course. And it's also Tom Holland's Spider-Man confidence versus Sandman being so serious and angry that he wants to get back to his timeline where, of course, as we know, he will die if he doesn't get help. And just the playful banter between them, the taunting, the teasing, it just makes for such an interesting scene that not only obeys a lot of the conventions that we've seen previously, but adapts them as a revisionist convention to be more of a clash between, as I said, interesting personalities rather than just fistfights. And as for me, my connection to Peter was how he underwent a lot of challenges in his life, how he pays the ultimate price of losing not only Aunt May, but every single person that he knows and loves. I can kind of sympathize with that, but just the amount of 
difficulty that he goes through at such a young age is just heartbreaking for me, but it also just makes me connect with that character so much more. So I kind of want to pass it back to Sam. What did you think about this story, and how did you connect to him? For me personally, it was pretty much everything about the character. You know, As most of us have already said, you know, we can relate to him through our experience in high school. You know, even in college now, we have many of the same things going on in our lives with, you know, the habits of young adults and what we're interested in and stuff like that. I can also relate to not just, you know, his experience in school, but just like the adults in my life not, you know, telling me what I can and can't do. And that was a big part of my life because I knew my abilities, but, you know, they didn't necessarily know mine. And, you know, also in college, you know, he's in high school, but, you know, it, it continues up into college with, you know, internships. You know, that's a little niche audience. When, you know, at the beginning of the movie, when Stark drops Peter Parker off at his apartment, Peter Parker's really, in, he's, you know, he's excited for the internship to keep going with the Avengers, but he doesn't hear back, you know, I can relate to that, you know, you get, you hear back, you get emails from internships, but, you know, you know maybe they don't get back to you even more, you know, further than that, you know, interviews or anything like that, but, you know, I can definitely relate to that and put myself in his shoes. However, you know, so that brings up another point that Spider-Man is not just for young adults in high school, but it can also be for the older adults who watch the movies and, you know, maybe have younger adults in their lives. One of the main selling points of Spider-Man is, is his ability to relate to every viewer, no matter their background. So, Jacob, superheroes follow a given set of conventions. Which conventions in specific do you see in Spider-Man that allow the film to convey its message? And, you know, what's an example of a scene or multiple scenes where you see these conventions? Yeah, for sure. Um, I find that uh, Spider-Man is very different from a lot of the previous films that we've watched, like Superman, who is an idealistic god who has almost invincibility, uh, and of course Iron Man, who is a narcissistic rich playboy who does as he wants, and though he's so different from these people, he still falls to the comic conventions, like for instance his origin story, where he's just a random kid bit by a radioactive spider, but he's given this monumental duty of protecting the innocent with his newfound powers that he hardly knows how to use. And he's left with the death of his Uncle Ben, who leaves him with the message, with great power comes great responsibility. That's the traditional or origin story of Spider-Man. In No Way Home, it actually kind of deviates. Uh, Aunt May dies to Green Goblin's bombs, and she relays the famous message before dying, of course, that with great power comes great responsibility. And this trope of the Guardian passing on a guiding principle for the superhero is one that we find quite commonly. And Spider-Man's, the core Spider-Man's character is in this trope that uh, he is, his powers have great responsibility, that he's responsible for saving other people given these new abilities. And I, I don't mean to say that this is his only defining trait, but he would be less relatable without it. He comes back stronger from this hardship and becomes, well, of course, a hero. Uh, as Peter Coogan says in his article, someone who does act selflessly to aid others in times of need is a hero. And uh, I couldn't agree more that this making good from a bad situation makes him so much of a hero. Now, Ethan, what convention exactly allowed you to connect with the character and, of course, what allowed the audience to connect with the character. Yeah, for me, in the No Way Home, it was a dilemma faced by Spider-Man. It definitely made me feel connected. Like, Peter wanted to save the 
uh, in the film, Peter wanted to save the villain by giving them uh, another chance. Because of the villain, all did not like choose to become the villain from the other movie, uh, especially for the Green Goblin, uh, who is controlled by another personality. However, uh, Green Goblin takes advantage, advantage of Spider-Man's kindness and kills the Aunt May. Uh, for that, it must be hard for Peter to face the loss of his only relative. And uh, not only that, he have to save Norman Osborn from the Green Goblin personality. So just like what the film reviewer Peter said, like, um, Spidey is torn between the insect to help his adversaries and a much darker impulse to seek a revenge. Um, as Jacob mentioned, like everyone has been through some loss or trauma, and it must be hard to forgive who caused the trauma. Uh, therefore, as an audience, I feel great sympathy for the dilemma that Peter faced. It is indeed hard to forgive the killer or who killed your only relative and also you have to help them release them from the suffering um, so as a fan uh, the responsibility and the duty he put on his shoulder no matter how much he suffered and the pain he deal with uh, is why the most uh, audience love him um i want to pass back to sam like what convention did you see uh, in the film? Like you can make the character connected to the audience. Yeah. So the convention that stood out to me most was you know the ordinary to extraordinary convention, where in many ways Spider Man is literally just any ordinary high school student until he puts on the suit and mask. And in the article by Jameson, the author says. While we wish we had super superpowers, we still need to have some connection to the heroes, and they create that connection by making the heroes still human. You know, Peter has to choose between school and his super superhero life, much in the same way I had to choose between school and soccer, and that makes him very much human. In a scene where we see this, uh, when Peter Parker has to tell his coach of the academic decathlon that he cannot make the national finals, and because of this, I can see myself in his shoes and any message that's put on him, I can play it into my life. And so Stephanie, in what way do you see these conventions that you talked about or we've talked about as a group? How do you see these connections and conventions playing into how the film is allowed to convey its message? And what is that message? Yeah, so as I was mentioning before, I feel like superheroes are just becoming more and more like the average human, at least when it comes to their emotions. So. This new convention, um, I, the revision one, I think it goes along with the emotions that these superheroes have now. Uh, Spider-Man here is not like the classic superhero. He's not so manly, he's definitely not muscular, and he's not so nonchalant about his emotions either. Instead, he's very energetic, socially awkward, uh, very emotional, and is also a literal high school boy who finds himself having trouble focusing on school because he just wants to be the hero full time. Um, and these new features is uh, what's allowing them to be able to connect with the modern audience a whole lot more. So, so much so that in Homecoming, Spider-Man himself is being doubted of his potential because he really is just a kid. And like in real life, people, myself included, doubt the younger 
kids at times because we just assume that this younger generation is incapable of understanding or acknowledging acknowledging the real life problems. Uh, in Homecoming, for example, Tony Stark tells Spider-Man, "If you are nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it," and proceeds to take Peter's suit away. So even in films, the young naive generation is doubted and is seen as incapable of being their strongest version of themselves. Uh, and in contrast to the film Iron Man, Tony Stark, who is an adult that makes a lot of mistakes, uh, and he's portrayed as a growing person who is showing responsibility. So I will be using Robert Hank's article once more. Uh, he states, Downey allows you to see that the attraction of putting on the costume has less to do with the crusade than with having a terrific new game to play. With great power comes great responsibility. But funny enough, this adult Tony Stark can grow into a responsible character as soon as he becomes Iron Man. But Spider-Man, on the other hand, since he's still a high school boy, when he is given his suit, he has to be a child and make multiple embarrassing mistakes in order to find out what being responsible really means. So in many ways, these new revisions of superheroes allows there to be some kind of symbiosis with our own social world. We doubt our younger generation and we assume that they're only good at being students and that they should keep making mistakes until we decide when they truly are uh, people who can comprehend the complexities of the world. So I think this is the, the conventions that would allow our modern society to connect with the superhero as the superhero genre grows. Sam, what comes to mind when you think of a high school boy? What do you think that students are just incapable of being more than just a student? Um, you know, from personal experience, I definitely think there are some things that, you know, I shouldn't be responsible for, and there are some things that I should be. And I agree with, you know, your take on the message of the film about how older generations see younger generations as incompetent and unable to have those kind of responsibilities. But, uh, you know, I also think that young adults should have a lot of responsibilities, you know. A, you know what was it back... During World War II, when 18-year-olds began to be able to, to vote, I think that was, you know, really important. But, you know, older generations still definitely do not trust the younger generations. And I think the four words that we've heard the most growing up uh, in the scene where Stark, Tony Stark saves uh, Peter Parker from drowning after he's fighting Tombs, the main villain, uh, Tony Stark tell, tells Peter Parker to stay out of it. And Peter Parker asks why, and Stark says, because I said so. And, you know, that really sums up the power difference between adults and teenagers, you know, no matter the teenager's abilities. And in the article I found online, on the Clay Center for Young and Healthy Minds, they say, are teenagers responsible? Of course not. Generally, most kids expect parents to take care of these mundane duties, and these mundane duties being, you know, cleaning up the laundry and doing the dishes and stuff like that. And I think, you know, most kids will find these small duties to be, you know, not very important. And so they don't do these things. But, you know, there's definitely room for responsibility to be taken into young adults' hands. So conventions are the most important aspects of a film. And if a film gets these wrong, then either the audience will not have a connection with the character or the film will not be able to convey its message. So we talked about how our connection to Peter Parker allowed us to see the abilities of teenagers in a role of responsibility while older generations lack trust and faith in their capabilities. And as young adults watch this film, they want to have more responsibility. And as an adult watches the movie, you know, will they 
then give more responsibility to younger adults in their lives? I guess that's a question for the older listeners to think about. So I hope all the listeners out here, old and young, gain some new knowledge and of course had fun listening to myself and our panel talk about Spider-Man. Thank you so much and have a good one.